Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside... Connor Bautzazor. And today, we're going to be doing the weekly recap. Uh, sorry for lying to you. Yeah, we are doing a Friday episode. <laughs> Things happen. Things happen. But uh, we still will be doing a Saturday episode as well, and that's an episode you're not going to want to miss. But as for this specific episode, we're just going to be basically going over every bit of K-State news that we received in the last two weeks, because um, one of us, I'll give you a hint, it was me, that <laughs> was out of town. Um, yeah, that's really all there is to say. We're going to be going over the press conference of Jerome Tang, transfer news from every sport, women's basketball, and then finally, the Bat Cats. But let's first go in with the hiring and press conference of Jerome Tang. Which, by the way, yes, we still have the Doom Tang Clan merch. Please go buy it. It's good merch. It's it is good, good merch. It's good merch. But he, Jerome Tang, had his opening press conference where he met with basically everyone in the K State media and the K State fan base. It was an opening. Pre- it was an open press conference. Unfortunately, I we both had class. So yeah, yeah I had a project presentation uh, at the time. I I would have skipped if I did not have that. Literally any other class, like any other day for that class, I would have skipped for it, but I could not, and it was a group project, so I was like, I cannot let my group friends down, so. But nevertheless, we ended up watching the press conference, and just the overtop thing is, I, you'll, we're not going to say anything revolutionary here by saying this, but that is one of, if not the absolute best opening press conferences I've seen for a coach at any level. I am in total agreement. I hesitated to say that, but like, because I wasn't able to watch it immediately, but I saw people freaking out about it. Like, I was texting people and they were telling me to go watch this opening presser. And I'm like, there are very few times in my life where I've been asked to watch a press conference. Yeah. Like, actively. But I mean, everybody that I talked to about it was, was begging me to watch it. And I watched it. And there were multiple times where I was like sitting there, like, nodding, like, yeah. 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 <laughs> it was like I was ready to run through a wall like for for Jerome Tang. Uh everything that he had to say, it felt like was perfect. Yeah. And it didn't feel rehearsed at all, really. Like I know that like he was probably given talking points and stuff like that. But like I mean what of course. Yeah, like but, he but, had, he but, had notes yeah. that he technically looked back but, to. Yeah, but. but his his delivery was phenomenal. Yeah. And, and I I'm uniquely equipped to talk about his delivery, but we can yeah. go ahead. Yeah. He just, I don't know, everything he said was was great. As a longtime K-State fan, he hit a lot of beats that I felt like like, like I really enjoyed because he, he talked about K-State traditions, but he didn't act like, you know, he had been here for a million years. You know, yeah. He was like, I just heard about this thing uh, called E-Maw. Yeah. And now he's talked about how much he liked E-Maw. <laughs> like, and that would give him, like, goosebumps when he said it. And he... I don't know, just everything that you said, I it felt like the exact right thing to say in that particular moment. I wish that some of the members of the media had asked him less bad questions, but not to get... Not naming any names. Not naming names, but <clears throat> if it didn't seem like he was a little annoyed <laughs> at times with the questions he got, but he, he took all of them in stride. Yeah. And you know what? Like That's part of filling out like a new coach like as a media member as well, so I won't dump on sports media too much. Like, they... Like they're they're figuring him out as much as he's figuring it out, but yeah, uh, it was just a phenomenal grand slam press conference. The only thing, the only thing I wish could have been changed is I wish it was longer. 
True. That, that was a, He only talked for about 25-ish minutes. Like his main speech was like 15, and the rest was just questions. Yeah. I I would have sat there and listened to him talk for like three hours. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't do that to him. I don't think he wants to talk for three hours. <laughs> but I I would have listened to him talk a lot more. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was definitely a breath of fresh air, I guess. Because, I, I mean, we haven't for quite a while, really. And this isn't a Bruce thing. This is just a K-State coaches in general thing. Probably the last time we had a coach that really had such a grabbing presence at the podium was Bob Huggins. And he was here for a year. Before that, you're going to have to go way back. So, you know, which, I mean, part of that comes from Tang's uh background as a pastor yeah but i mean he was able to just grab the audience he has unlimited charisma it feels like yeah but yeah yeah, it i mean every other coach we've had either has had negative relations with the media or was bill snyder who describing a negative relationship with the media is generous (laughs) yes but i as for why his delivery was so effective, it, let's break it down from a fundamental standpoint. Uh, I've done competitive speech for seven, eight years, so I can I kind of understand what he's doing, why he's doing it. Like for example, not standing behind the podium, he was doing that so his gestures would be seen, right? More, yeah, more seen, more open, and it also removes a barrier which really helps with intimacy in speeches. That's like one of the first things that you're taught as someone who's going to go into a public speaking sector is that if you really want to reach an audience and you want to be on the same level as them, you remove just about any other barriers that you can between you and them. And another part of it is you want to, to make you want to make it look as natural as possible, which is why he was wearing the lapel microphone yeah. instead of the stick microphone, because that way he he's on the same he's on the same level as everyone else. Because psychologically, whenever you're holding a microphone, you're you're the important person. And even though he still had a microphone, he was still the center of attention. The fact that he didn't go as far as to have the microphone in his hand just shows that he really effective in how it just relates you to him that's the same reason why in competitive speech tournaments they always use the pell microphones or they use the ear microphones it's because they want to make sure that the person competing is able to connect with the audience so even if you asked a competitor if they wanted a stick microphone they wouldn't take it because it's not as easy to connect with plus he just has this really infectious charm and this really infectious energy and he wants to be there and you can always tell whenever people don't want to be there i I hate to bring up Kleiman, but there are a lot of times that he's been in a press conference where it's really obvious he does not want to be there he it's tang is able to take it in stride i'm not sure if he likes it i've only seen him twice so that remains to be seen but Kleiman is someone who just he, he views it as a necessary part of the job, which, you know, yeah, that's fair. It is. But, yeah, Tang handled the press conference perfectly from the references to Aggieville, tearing up the newspapers, to finding out what Ema is, pointing out that wildcats are nocturnal animals, and then pointing at Willie off to the yeah. side. <laughs> he, 
did everything to endear himself to the fan base without going, how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> like, yeah. Which, that is insanely difficult to do without appearing corny. Like, and there are certain people that can own their corniness. Moving on. <laughs> there are certain people who can own their corniness, but, you know, Tang doesn't have to because he just has that, that natural presence. So that's really all I have to say on the press conference. I kind of rambled on about just the logistics of speaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, uh, one line, I went on, uh, last night I went on the Bosco's Boys uh, color cast show uh, mm. to talk about it, and... I mentioned that my favorite line that he had was that he wasn't here to rebuild. He was here to elevate. Elevate. (laughs) That was a great line for a couple of reasons. One, because it signals to the fans that, well, he said this later in plain words, but that line reinforces at least that it isn't going to be some long rebuild that we got used to. It's, and then it also signals to the players that, you know, even if they do end up transferring, uh, he sees the roster as one with talent on it mm-hmm. already. And that, you know, he, he sees that he's there to elevate and he's not there to like tear apart the locker room or something like that. It makes him a more endearing coaching figure yeah. that's coming in. And, you know, regardless of your thoughts on Bruce, I mean, those players, they went out and they played really hard for the entire season and their coach lost his job because of the results of it so they're probably feeling a tinge of responsibility for it yeah which is understandable but it's also not their fault at all so <laughs> no. so i don't know i won't ramble on too much about uh jerome tank's press conference because i feel like everything that really needs to be said about it has kind of been said already but i mean it, it was a plus plus press conference if there was if March Madness was based on press conferences, we'd be the national champions. Absolutely. And uh, now all he, he's got to do is start to translate it to uh, roster management and uh, um, getting his staff together so we can uh, have a successful season next year. Yep. Speaking of successes that Tang has had, he has knocked his first week out of the park. Keep in mind, he was hired like a week and a half ago. <laughs> If that. If that. I, I mean, it wasn't even... When was it officially announced? Monday? Monday. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it wasn't even getting... It's like, been four days. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 didn't, it didn't even get leaked until last Sunday. So he, he's on, he's completely shifted the culture around the program yeah. in less than a week and completely rejuvenated interest. I mean, I'm not going to be a K-State student next year and i'm already wanting to try and make plans to come back for the first home game because i i want to see this guy in person you know, i, I want to see the team next year i i actively want to go watch the team and Which, if you've listened to the episodes you know that there were points in the season where both of us were like if it's on our way yes yeah. like, like i wasn't gonna make time to go watch the team at times this year uh but now you know like i i'm my, my eyebrows are raised, and I am fully initiated into the Doom Tank clan, I would say. Absolutely. I, I'm i ready. I'm ready for basketball right now. Yeah. I, oh, dude, it's going to be an agonizing wait. Yeah. But Tang has also made a few assistant coaching hires. One, their names are escaping me. 
One was from North Texas, one was from Texas, and the other one is from... Well, two are allegedly, because of an Instagram Live video. (laughs) Here, I have the names and locations for them. Okay. Uh, Yurik Malugi from Texas, he was swiped from Chris Beard's staff. That's the best way to describe it, really, is because he was very, very, very valuable to uh, the Texas uh, he was help. He was instrumental in securing a five-star commitment to Texas, who I believe is going through with his commitment, even though uh, Malucky is leaving. Uh, but it did require the entire Texas staff to go make an in-home visit. <laughs> so at the very least, we had to make him work for it. And he is considered to be probably top ten recruiter nationally as an assistant coach. He was in the athletics forty under forty. He was an uh, ESPN's rising stars. He's probably going to end up being the associate coach. Uh, he spent his whole coaching career uh, in Texas, and he's this is a golden opportunity for him to a play under somebody that I imagine he has tremendous respect for. Because I'm yet to hear from someone that doesn't have an incredible amount of respect for Jerome Tang. Not sure that exists. I, I think you're right. I don't think there's <laughs> anyone that he has new enemies because <laughs> they're all dead. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But Tang, he uh, he's getting an absolutely phenomenal associate head coach hire, uh, and Yurik Mulligi. And another guy to um, keep your eyes on is uh, Jareem Dowling, I believe his name is, of uh, North Texas. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for one, am very happy with this hire as well. He's responsible for getting a lot of recruits to North Texas, that could probably play elsewhere at a higher level. And he's, I believe he's played a role in multiple guys that transferred up to a, a uh, higher level school than North Texas. So I take that as a sign of excellent talent evaluation, which is something that K-State has relied on for a long time, but it's always been the follow through, which hopefully we now have that with uh, Yurik Malucky and yeah, Jerome Tang. And he's uh, going to be a, a really, really a nice probably second chair guy and the final one is somebody that's all but confirmed that's a marco born from uh alcorn state yeah um and because uh marco born had a tweet a couple nights ago i think about like you know like appreciating alcorn and like how he's moving on he didn't say where but all sources consider it to be Mm k-state and he was also on the private jet that went and just scooped up all the assistant coaches at once i guess that's that's where i got it from it was just the the instagram live video it was just yeah yeah every single assistant coach to manhattan yeah as some some donor just like went and like picked up all of them i guess (laughs) it's like you guys ready has arrived like you guys ready sure sure whatever a lot of them didn't even have contracts they just got picked up yeah <laughs> that's a joke <laughs> I, but yeah i'm i'm happy with the assistant coach hires and i'm really excited for the doom tang clan to just be in full force yeah i i i didn't think that we were even get close to this type of staff honestly i mean this is probably going to be the best staff that has been had at k-state basketball since bob huggins era when that was, gosh, that was Frank Martin, Brad Underwood, and Delonte Hill were on that staff, I think. And other than that, I mean, I mean, this is a dream team of assistants that have deep ties to Texas, 
and uh, the South and other recruiting beds. And although um, Jerome Tang did make a pretty big point of saying that they're going to recruit nationally when he was asked about uh, recruiting ties to Texas. And then one more eye to keep out for, or one more name to keep an eye out for is uh, Rodney Perry. Uh, That's a name that's been tossed around as uh, somebody that may end up on staff. Um, He's a Missouri high school basketball coach right now with some ties to the the prep scene and the AAU scene and that area. But I mean, I there's hasn't been anything super concrete on that yet, but that's something that seems to be starting to formulate. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that, but we're going to see a lot happening with the, the staff here in the next week or so we should see at the very least the three main assistants finalized here in the next uh, couple of days and then we'll start seeing a support staff and like director of basketball operations get filled in and things like that that should all get uh figured out here within the week i would imagine probably so yeah because they the the staff is going to want to start recruiting here really soon yeah yeah that's a lot of room, a lot of room for excitement for the men's basketball team. But we got to move on. There'll be plenty of time to talk about men's basketball. But before we move on to recapping women's basketball and the Batcats, we have a little bit of transfer news to go over. Uh, one from the football team and one from the women's basketball team. Let's start with the football news. That is, Braden Wood, the defensive tackle that was recruited during the COVID year, has entered the transfer portal. That really kind of stings for the depth at defensive tackle not by virtue of him being a proven player but by virtue of god we just need bodies yeah <laughs> we need we need non corpses at defensive tackle cuz right now we have Eli Huggins Damon uh Damon Alalio yeah and uh Sayamalo Sayamalo and then yeah. Tuiasosopo, his son. Yeah, yeah. Titus Tuiasosopo is another guy. Other than that, I think Cody Stuffelbean might be moving to defensive tackle. I'm not sure. Maybe. And then technically, Jalen Pickle is a defensive tackle, although he doesn't really play. He's a uh, tweener. Yeah he, yeah, he doesn't play nose tackle. He more plays in like a three tech, uh, five tech maybe. Yeah. Like I've, we we saw him more subbing in for felix than we did for timmy this year yeah but he but he is capable of playing that interior spot yeah i i would project us maybe getting a defensive tackle transfer in yeah which yeah i'd be fine with i i think it's starting to become like a pretty major need having huggins back this year is huge yeah defense would have been screwed (laughs) yeah yeah and like you know uh damian elilio uh i I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops, but he is still really young. He's only a redshirt freshman, I believe, this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And then of Sayomalu, uh, he is a, a JUCO guy, so he he'll have a, a way to get he'll have a ways to go before he's ready for you know significant playing time at a power five level. Uh, but you know he does have a whole off season ahead of him. Maybe he explodes. Maybe I'd, I'd be fine if he, I'd, I'd allow it. I'd allow it. But, yeah, the defensive line room, especially with the way the 3-3-5 plays, is we're not necessarily lacking defensive tackles. We're lacking nose tackles, which Braden Wood probably was never going to be that definitive nose tackle. But still, it's a body, and we need those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Especially with, uh, I don't know, it just seems like the room is really uh, dinged up right now Mm -hmm. uh, in spring ball. And then just, I mean, behind Huggins, there isn't a lot right now. Which, you know, we may see Ilalio or Sayamala develop into someone that's totally startable next year. But it remains to be seen. I would like them to at least go out and get a defensive tackle depth piece in the portal. Just a a true nose tackle. Timmy Horn, too. Just, find just another way. Yeah, just the second Timmy Horn. Yeah, Timmy Horn Jr. It's insane to me that he's not getting any draft hype. I I am really surprised by that. As I I thought Timmy Horn had a really nice year, and I'm shocked that he's not getting more buzz about that. I I don't even think like he's a registered prospect on a lot of places. Which like there are like three players that I feel are getting disrespected in that regard. One of which we may be talking to soon. But hmm. wonder who it is. But <laughs> who could it be? Who could it be? But yeah, KCH just getting disrespected in the draft hype. But aside from that, best of luck to Brain Wood in the transfer portal. Always hope that it works out for a guy, even if they leave the program, unless they leave the program under you know, like destroyed one of the cats on campus or something. I don't know. <laughs> That, that would be very sad. Barring a crime, we support yeah. people outside yeah. of their endeavors. As long as they are not, like, felons when they leave the program. Yeah, I wish you the best. Yeah, good luck. If, if, you're, if you're a felon. Sorry. Sorry. You're not an alley cat. You're not an alley cat. That alley sucks. Ca- alley cats aren't felons. felons. <laughs> I don't know why that reminded me of the scene in Waterboy. Now, kids, the next lesson is don't do crack. But, anyway, <laughs> the next bit of transfer news comes from the women's basketball team, and that is Rachel Ranke of the women's basketball team is entering the transfer portal, who someone was hurt this entire year, and honestly, at times, I felt was really missed just by virtue of experience. Yeah, I totally agree. Rachel Ranke would have been a huge help for the team this year. Being a experienced veteran on the wing and also an excellent three-point shooter, which those are two things that this team desperately needed in the, in the backcourt. <laughs> and uh, they unfortunately were unable to, uh, to use her this year because I believe she had a back injury mm-hmm. for the majority of the season. And she, I, she's unfortunately entering the portal, which you hate to see, but... You know, I, I I wish she was sticking around because I always liked uh, liked her as a player. I liked her game a lot. She was just a really good shooter. And hopefully she's able to find success elsewhere. But also hopefully we're able to take some steps with our three-point shooting in the offseason. Maybe acquire uh, our own pieces through the portal that I can. Maybe unpick up some of the load there. Because, you know, I've, three-point shooting has been very difficult at times for uh, the women's basketball team, despite it seemed like starting the year very well from in that regard. But, I mean, it's becoming clear that this team just ha- is going to live and die by the three, very ironically. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, who would have thought? Despite the fact that the best player doesn't hit threes. Yeah, it's, it's all because of that. Just need to develop some sort of offense on the wings which hopefully the incoming freshman and the development of the current freshman will help with that. And also Heavenly Greer getting back from yeah. the explosion room of the NCAA. I have, like, we, we mention it every time. No idea. <laughs> we may never see her. We may Who's to say? Who's to say? 
the real Heavenly Greer was the friends we made along the way. You're right. Yeah, I really hope she gets a chance to play. But, yeah, that pretty much ends the transfer portal news. Now we can go Other in. than uh, one more from men's basketball. Oh, that's right. I forgot to mention it. Um, yeah, there was another men's basketball <laughs> transfer out. And this is something that um, I'm actually sad about. However, it's not the most sad I would be. If, okay, one, I would be very ironically sad. I'm not going to say it. And then the other, I would be genuinely sad. The good news is is that the one I would genuinely be sad about, I don't think has a possibility of happening. But, yeah, Sultan Miguel, the guard, has transferred out. I wish that he was able to get his shooting potential and the scoring potential and offensive ability figured out here. Because he was always an elite defender, even during down the stretch when people were kind of dumpstering on him. Yeah. Which, like, all respect to Selton, but his offensive ability kind of, yeah. But his defense was always elite. So, you know, it, it sucks letting that go. But I yeah. hope that no matter where he ends up, I hope he ends up finding that offensive potential. Yeah. I'm going to miss Selton as well. I had high hopes for him. Uh, when he got to K-State, and I feel like he still has a lot of untapped potential. Uh, he's still an incredible defender, and I, I like him. But just too inconsistent shooting from the outside. I mean, barely over 20% in both his freshman and sophomore seasons. is really, really tough. He made like two threes in all the Big 12 play, and I think like they both happened like down the stretch. But... It, and like you know, he just needs to diversify his offensive game to truly become the weapon that I think he can be. Because I mean, right? He's excellent at driving, and getting to the bucket, but you know, he needs to work on his finishing. He needs to work on being able to go to the left, and he needs to work on his uh, spot up shooting as well. Yeah. But I will miss Selton. I'll be interested to see where he ends up, though. Yeah. Same story. Now <laughs> we can get into the recap of the sports, which. It's really most of it's old news, so we'll try and like spring by it. So basically, what I'm thinking of is score top three scorers for the women's basketball, and then people who hit above 500 in a game for Batcats. But let's start off with the women's basketball team. The first game that we're going to be discussing is the first round of the NCAA tournament, where K State ended up playing Washington State in which a lot of people made a lot of noise about them being kindred spirits, which, you know, I actually kind of subscribe to the theory that K-State and Washington State are kind of kindred spirits in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, like both just being state universities and not like the biggest college towns on earth. And then also just a lot of K-State people are at Washington State. Uh, former K-State head coach Deb Patterson is the director of uh, like basketball operations there, I think. Mm. Uh, former cat, oh, I forget which one. I think it's Lori Kane is uh, on the staff there. And then there's another, the head coach is also connected to K-State basketball. And then the university president at Washington State was the university president at K-State for quite a while and oversaw uh, a lot of growth at K-State. So, yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot of connections there. Yeah, plus people wrongly treat us like the little brother university. Yeah. Which... That's a different rant for a different day. Yeah. But K-State ended up winning 50 to 40, and you have top three scorers plus any you know notable 
any other mm-hmm. notable stat lines. Yeah, uh, Yoko Lee led the way, twenty points. She had a fifteen rebounds as well. So she, I think, this game she broke the school record for double doubles in a season. It was something like that. Probably. Briley Glenn added fourteen points, uh, and she got half of them at the free throw line. Uh, Yoko Lee got half of her points at the free throw line as well. Uh, and then Serena Sundell and Emily Eber each had five. And that's almost all the points for the entire team. Dollinger added four and Simone had added two. That's it. And there was not much. Most of the scoring came from these two main sources of Aoka Lee and Briley Glenn yeah. for this game. And again, it was another bad shooting day. It was a bad shooting day for both teams, really. Yeah, no, I, I was listening to this game while I was driving. And th- it was... It got to the point where every single time a shot was made and I heard like, so you know that there, there's two ways that I say sick. You know this. Maybe other people don't. There are like two modes of me saying sick, me genuinely meaning it as a form of affirmation, and then me saying it sarcastically instead of just like throwing an F-bomb out. Right. There, there, <laughs> there was a lot of times of me just saying sick during this game. <laughs> Yeah, that's something that I've picked up and added to my vernacular. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. But uh, nice to get an NCAA tournament win. It also gets the Cats to 20 wins on the season, which, I mean, is a far cry from what we thought that they would be aiming for at one point this season. I mean, at one point this season, they were looking at the Big 12 title right in the face. And, and then shooting happened. Yeah, uh, shooting happens and uh, lack of depth happened. But, you know... The, the ceiling is very high for next season. Absolutely. And then the next game... Yeah, the next game we got waxed, which we predicted, against NC State, 89-57. to This... It, it, you know what? Credit to us. We kept it within 10 in the like first two quarters. I consider that a victory. I know we lost by 32, but you know what? We weren't we weren't beating yeah. NC State in Raleigh. <laughs> yeah. At the first time out, we were leading by like eight. Stop the count. Stop the count. <laughs> and then after that, that was about all she wrote. But yeah, tough loss to end on. I mean, the 8-9 uh, line for women's basketball is just absolutely cursed. I mean, if you get the unfortunate task of taking on a one seed as a women's basketball team it's over it's over it's over yeah uh you're you're gonna have a tough time unfortunately uh serena sundell led the way with 17 points uh aoko lee added 12 and then riley glenn added eight and then there were scattered points the rest of the way from everybody else i mean this was just a terrific shooting day for North, for NC State. They uh, made 54% of their shots from the field, 47% from three, uh, 10 to 16 at the free throw line. K-State was 85% from the free throw line, but they were only 38.8% from the field and 28% from three. So they, yeah, they, they did not earn this win in any sense of the word. They, especially in the second and third quarters, they just got absolutely boat raced. I, I mean, they didn't stand a chance uh, after the first quarter. And the momentum, just you could see it slipping away from them after the, the, the quick start. Because, I mean, NC State, it's just a 
really, really good team. They're buzzsaw. Yeah, and they, they just have shooters everywhere. And if that's a difference between a good team and a great team, is a, the good team will sometimes hit the open the wide open shot. Great teams, they're going to hit a wide open shot every single time. They are not going to. And NC State, they did not miss their wide open shots. And when we got ours, we didn't take as much advantage as we should have. So, yeah. uh, it's a... It's a really it's a real downer to end the season on, but you know what? Like that's okay. Because at the end of the day they they still had a pretty nice season. Didn't reach the heights that we hoped that they would, but I'm very excited for next year because we're bringing back almost everybody and bringing in some really high quality prospects. 3 McDonald's All-Americans. 4, I thought. 4. All of our all of our recruits, yeah, that's right. It is because it's all of our recruits are McDonald's All Americans. We're coming in with like a top fifteen or a top ten recruiting class. Yeah, I there there's you know I I'm gonna go ahead and say it. This is by far one of the most exciting times to be a K State fan across any sport. Yeah, because you have amazing recruits coming in for women's basketball. You have a new head coach who so far has killed everything that he's done within the past four days. Yeah. He's united the fan base that was ready to strangle one another, which granted that's, that's normal, but (laughs) yeah, that's, that's normal. But he's united that fan base within a span of four days. Really? It only took him like two. Then bat cats are getting really solid recruits. Pete Hughes, while his sometimes is in game management leaves a little bit to be desired. His recruiting ability has been amazing. Yeah. And then the football team is gearing up for one, what should be one of the saltiest and best rosters in the Big 12. Yeah. So basically what I'm saying is it will take a real case stating to make this a not exciting year. Does that mean I think it's impossible? No. <laughs> no. But I think it's unlikely. I'm right. going to eat those words, aren't I? Maybe. We'll see. Allegedly. We'll, we'll enjoy it for now. We'll least. enjoy the optimism. It's rare. But, yeah, that wraps up the women's basketball team and the women's basketball season. So, I'm okay with how the season went. Obviously, if you would have told me her record would have been 20-13 and 13 back when we were saying that this was a team that could probably make a Big 12 tournament run, you would have told me our record would be 20-13, and 13, except the second round of the NCAA tournament. I would have been a little bit disappointed. I would have been angry that Ioka Lee didn't get Big 12 Player of the Year. <laughs> yep. But I would have been all right with it, and I am all right with it. Yeah. You too? Yeah, I am too. Um, again, start of the season, um, I probably would have expected something around here, and I probably would have been pleased with it, because I honestly thought this year may have gone worse, because I wasn't convinced that we had a ball handler. But we ended up having that, and then Serena Sundell. Um, but then you get to like post OU game. Uh, I probably would have been a bit disappointed with this outcome, and I am a little bit. There's, I have a, I have a tinge of disappointment, just because we weren't able to figure it out outside of Aoka Lee, uh, at least consistently. So I, I feel like there was some some missed room for growth with this season, but. I think that with a really young team, you should expect some growing pains, especially when you really don't have a deep bench to work with. So I'm looking forward to uh, uh, the future with this women's team. I'm going to be following them very closely next year, and I'm expecting great things. I am as well. 
So now let's move on to the bat cats. So again, it's a lot of old news, so we're more or less skimming through these. They actually rattled off an eight-game winning streak from Nebraska to it was ended by Air Force. And the winning streak started against Nebraska, which we covered. But then they ended up playing a series against Central Connecticut State, where they ended up going 6 and They won 6-3, 5-3, and 5-2. In the 6-3 game, <laughs> in the 6-3 game, we had a couple of notable performances. Um, Heinrich ended up homering. Nikolov ended up homering. We just had a pretty solid, you know, uh, performances. Dominic Johnson, who will get his own segment, because believe me, Dominic Johnson deserves his own segment. Yeah, he does. But, yeah, it was overall a solid day. Obviously, the first day, you don't want two errors, because, you know, of yeah. course. K-State's defense, just in general, Baseball is the one sport where I think it's acceptable, especially on defense, where you can literally just say, figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you are right. But, you know, I, I've i been, I've been really enjoying the Batcats. Uh, if nothing, they're an exciting team. Yeah, it, it's similar to last year. But I do think that they're hitting their stride a little bit earlier than last year's team did. Dom Johnson's been phenomenal. We'll get back to him. Jeff Heinrich had a great game in this first uh, first game. Uh, Phillips still figuring it out. Same with Nick Goodwin. They're kind of stuck in the middle of the lineup right now, and they're not—they're not really reaching their heights from last year. But you can just feel that they're on the the verge breaking out right yeah. now. Um, and then uh, Josh Nikoloff—he's uh, had a really nice last couple of weeks. And uh, um, then also uh, Blake Adams is another person to talk about as the starting pitcher. He was really good. Seven strikeouts, just the two walks, uh, six innings pitched, two earned, and uh, just one wild pitch. Uh, went 99 pitches in this game, but although Tyler Rule did get credited with the win in this one, he went three innings in relief, uh, two strikeouts, a walk, and one earned. And that uh, and this was all a uh, K-State comeback in the bottom of the eighth that ended up giving them uh, a three-round win. Yep. That's the first game. The second game, again, was a victory for the Cats. This was a score of 5-3. to three. It ended up just being a you know, score. Our first score was on a collection of wild pitches, then a home run, then a double, then a, another double. And then finally a Justin Mitchell homer capped off the scoring. And, you know, it was just another solid performance by the Cats. The starting pitcher was Blake, Cor- no, Connor McCullough followed by Blake Corsentino getting a save. And the, these last couple of games, it was really, really rolling, honestly, which, yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, and Dom Johnson stole a base here. We also had three people get hit by pitches in this game. Uh, Dom Johnson, uh, Jeff Heinrich, and Orlando, Orlando Salinas, uh, they all got hit by pitches. Nick Goodwin drew a couple of walks. Dom Johnson was two of three in this game. Um, all around, uh, pretty quality hitting. Uh from the team with a couple of exceptions. Uh, Kalen, Cole, Kalen Culpepper, the true freshman, went two for three with an RBI in this game. Uh, been loving his development thus far. Yeah. Culpepper's been quietly really good this year. Uh, he's kind of been overshadowed by Dom. Yeah, he but, has been. But honestly, Dom would overshadow anyone. But speaking of Dom, he led off the scoring for the next game, which was a 5-2 to two victory for K-State. He ended up homering to left center field. 
Then it was Dylan Phillips who ended up singling the left field, driving in Cole Johnson and Dom Johnson. Nick Goodwin ended up having a sack fly in the fifth. And then Kalen Culpepper ended up wrapping up the scoring with a single, and that ended up driving in Jones. And, yeah, it was just, un- we, we have to say, it, it's just another really solid day all around. Yep. And uh, this one was uh, a little bit more uh, pitching by committee, I guess. Yeah. Um, Christian Rubeck came in. He is a phenomenal prospect, I would say. Uh, his fastballs have uh, touched 98. I've seen as the highest that they've gotten. Uh, he went four innings, 81 pitches in four innings. He did have seven strikeouts, uh, two walks, one earned, uh, with three hits, two wild pitches, and a hit by pitch. So um, needs to work on command, needs to work on placement as well. He, I mean, he's the epitome of power pitcher. And when it's working, it's working. And when it's, when not, it's, it's not, not, it's not. <laughs> and he, um, yeah, he... If he can get some some more uh, command on on his pitches, which I mean that's a lot of the guys uh, in the pitching room or in the bullpen, I should say. Um, then Landry Jureka ends up getting credited with the win for KC. He went three innings, which is one earned run and three strikeouts, no walks, just thirty eight pitches, so kept that pretty low. And then Herman Fajardo came in with two innings, had four strikeouts and eight batters faced, went forty three pitches. Uh, added a walk, just one hit, and so Herman Fajardo will get credit with the save. Um, and then yeah, the Cats end up getting the sweep. Uh, just one error from the defense, Orlando Salinas, uh, with a fielding error, uh, and then three stolen bases uh, for the Cats as well. Don Johnson, Cole Johnson, and Dylan Phillips all get a steal. And then uh, Blake Adams, the starting pitcher, actually went two for three and drew a walk <laughs> as a des- as a designated hitter. Yep. <laughs> So Shohei Otani, pretty pretty nice, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up getting pinch run for Brandon Jones. Yeah, but yeah, that was the Central Connecticut State series. Then we had a one game, well, series, quote unquote, yeah. against Omaha. This was a victory, eight to four. Nick Goodwin had a sack fly in the first. Cole Johnson had a homer in the second, followed by a double from Brady Day. Then that ended up scoring uh, Pelletier. In that same inning, scored on a pass ball. Josh Nikoloff ended up homering to center. And then he ended up doubling in the fourth inning to score Dominic Johnson to cap off the scoring in the fourth inning. The rest of the game was relatively uneventful. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All the scoring happened for K-State in the first four innings. After that, Omaha did tack on four runs uh, with two coming in the fourth and two coming in the sixth. But that was it. Uh, for this uh, weekday game. And now uh, Dom Johnson, again, had a great day. Three for five, two runs scored. Can't ask for much more. Brady Day drew three walks, as did Dylan Phillips. And Discipline. Uh, uh, Brady Day with uh, the two for two and three walks. Um, Phillips, unfortunately, didn't get any hits. But, you know, hey, I'll take getting on base. Love that he gets on base. Billy Bean. Billy Bean. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. about to reference Moneyball. Yeah. Um, then... Uh, uh, Dylan Phillips got another stolen base, and um, then we'll move on to pitching. Griffin Hassel was the starter. He gets the win. Uh, he went five and two-thirds uh, with uh, 88 pitches, uh, six strikeouts just to one walk with two hits and two earned runs. Then Elijah Dale came in, and he faced four batters but only went a third of an inning. Uh, no strikeouts, a walk, 
uh, one hit, two runs, only one of them was earned, though. But 17 pitches, so not a quality outing at all for Elijah Dale. Although I do have a lot of uh, high hopes for him, uh, mainly because I remember seeing him uh, in the Fall World Series and his uh, RPM on his pitches was just absolutely nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Landry Weidman came in Landry. then. Landry. <laughs> we found another Landry. <laughs> he, he came in. There's a couple pitchers named Landry on the team. Landry Jureka as well. Oh, no. <laughs> They're multiplying. <laughs> I mean, Landry Weidman came in and went two innings with 36 uh, pitches and seven batters faced through some quality uh, innings there. Uh, three strikeouts, two walks, and nothing else uh, on his uh, stat line. And Tyler Rule came in to close everything up, uh, gave up a walk, and that was it. And I believe uh, forced a double play, and he only pitched one inning. So a nice road win over uh, Omaha, which I believe they will be facing. Uh, they'll they'll be playing a return game later this season on yeah. some random Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Some random Tuesday. It's always some random Tuesday. Yeah. The next series was up against Moorhead State, which we have a high school classmate who plays for them. Yes, we do. Yep. Uh, let's just say the game he started did not end well for him. No, did not. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> but this was against Moorhead State, and the first game was a pretty dominant Cats victory. It was 10-2. to I'm not even going to go through all the scoring. Yeah. Um, I'll just go down to Don Johnson's stat line because he just had a phenomenal series against Moorhead State. He went a four for five uh, with two RBIs. He did strike out, and I think it was the uh, bottom of the eighth. It was his last plate appearance, and he was just swinging at everything. Yeah, and why not? Yeah, I think that's what it was. He did ruin a perfect uh, uh, line for the day, but you know what? Four for five, I'll take it. I'll take it every day. Yeah. Then um um. Brady Day didn't do much. Uh, then uh, Dylan Phillips, he went two for four uh, with a run and uh, um, added a double in there as well as a walk. Uh, Josh Nikoloff, he uh, went one for four with an RBI and a walk. Nick Goodwin, uh, one for four, two RBIs and a walk. A lot of a few walks drawn there in the middle of the order for K-State, which you, you love to see that, yeah. especially when they're uh, – if they're not going to give you something to hit, you might as well get a free base. Yeah. And Nick Goodwin uh, with a, a couple RBIs. Cole Johnson went three for four this day, actually. And uh, Nick Goodwin also added a triple this game. I, re- I neglected to mention that he did have a nice triple. Raphael Pelletier had two doubles as well. He batted down late in the lineup. Uh, he was catching this weekend for Justin Mitchell. And uh, added an RBI in there as well and scored two runs. Um, and then Orlando Salinas went one for five, but that one hit was a triple, and he did get an RBI with that as well. And Kalen Culpepper, Culpepper went one for four with an RBI. So, I mean, pretty much every K-State batter, with a couple lone exceptions, uh, was able to get at least one hit. Yep. And then uh, we moved to pitching. Blake Adams had a really nice outing. Uh, went six and a third with seven strikeouts, one walk, and five hits, and just one earned run. Uh, in those six and a third innings and 93 pitches thrown. Uh, Blake Corsentino came in and got two strikeouts, one walk, 18 pitches, and one and two thirds. And then Nico Rodriguez came in at the end, uh, pitched an inning, uh, two strikeouts with a walk, a hit, one earned, and 20 pitches. He was throwing some phenomenal uh, curveballs in this game. I mean, the, the break was 
absolutely incredible from Nico Rodriguez. I saw some of the spin rates. Those were also ridiculous. Yeah, he he had himself a nice ninth inning, although he did uh, allow a few on base. He was able to close up without too much damage. So. Yep. And then the next game... Well, yeah, just an absolute blowout. Yeah, 15-2 to in favor of the Cats, started by our high school classmate, Alex Kafka. Great dude. Yeah. Great dude. Unfortunately, he had to pitch this day. My God. So we'll just go I'll, – I'll go over doubles and home runs here because right. everything else we would be here for 20 minutes. Dominic Johnson had three doubles. Brady Day had one double. Dylan Phillips had a double. Josh Nikoloff had a double. Nick Goodwin had a double. And Orlando Salinas had two doubles. We had home runs from Dominic Hughes, Jeff Heinrich, Cameron Uselton, and then Orlando Salinas, and then a sack fly from Nick Goodwin. Good job, Nick. Good job, Nick. Yep. <laughs> we no, needed that yeah. one. Dom Johnson, perfect at the plate, three for three, and drew a walk as well, had four runs, and then we said that's enough, and that's had enough. Dom Hughes come in, and then he immediately hit a home run. Yep. <laughs> so it didn't get any better. And, I mean, everybody was just on fire uh, on this day, really. I mean, every, I think everybody reached, and at least every starter did. Um, at one point, we did have back-to-back home runs. I believe it was Dom Hughes and Jeff Heinrich. And then a couple batters went by, and then uh, Cameron Usselton, he went with a homer as well. Uh, uh, really, the only person to not have a great day was Kalen Culpepper. He went 0 for 5 with a couple rare, of strikeouts. Rare for him. But... but, you know, he still made his impact defensively. He is a phenomenal defender. Which and rare. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 17 total hits for, for the Cats uh, on this uh, very nice day. I listened to this uh, when I was driving home from spring break on the radio. Really nice. Yep. Then the next one was, again, Moorhead State, which you have a funny story attached to this game. Yes, I do. <laughs> you want to tell the story before or after? Um, I'll tell it after. Let's go through. Okay. This was a 9-6 to comeback victory for your Kansas State Wildcats, who ended up winning on a go-ahead homer in the eighth inning by Dylan Phillips. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was the really the deciding play and yeah it was another solid offensive day dom johnson ended up going two for five with an rbi and a strikeout the next contributor would be a one for four day from cole johnson who also drew a walk but left two on base dylan phillips had a three for four day with three rbis including that big home run nick goodwin ended up going taking an offer but he did end up scoring a run he was, he hit, was by hit by pitch. Yeah, yeah, okay. I was about to say, like, hmm. <laughs> Josh Nikoloff ended up having a two-for-two two day with two walks and three RBIs. Justin Mitchell ended up going one-for-two with a strikeout, and then was pitch hit for by Brandon Jones, who ended up scoring a run. Rafael Pelletier ended up going one-for-two with two RBIs. Lando Salinas took an over, but did end up walking twice. And then Kalen Culpepper had one hit with four at-bats and one run. Two doubles from Dominic Johnson, one from Cole Johnson, one from Josh Nikoloff, and one from Caleb Culpepper, with home runs from Phillips, Nikoloff, Pelletier, and a sack fly from Dylan Phillips. Yep. And we did have a few errors this game, unfortunately. Goodwin had two at shortstop, and Nikoloff added one at first base. I believe it was a dropped ball. Mm. Um, there was a few issues throwing from short to first in this game, as I recall. Uh, a few uh, one-hoppers that... Uh, 
didn't get in. A few, one of them, Nikolov probably should have had, but a few of them were just really not good throws. They were rushed. But I mean, we'll they'll figure it out there on the defensive side. But man, this was a it was a beautiful day. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, uh, I didn't get to see as many home runs as I wanted because, uh, as I recall, the wind was out of the south. Uh, for this game, so I was really hoping that there was going to be just a ton of home runs, mm-hmm. but nay. Let me tell you about the Air Force game next, then. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forgot to mention on Saturday, I think it was Salinas had a home run go like over the scoreboard or yep. something like that. Mm-hmm. And then Phillips, his home run on uh, the Sunday game for the sweep, um, his home run in the eighth. As I recall seeing on KSU Baseball Analytics, uh, went 461 feet, <laughs> which was the second longest that they've recorded since they started using StatTrack, which was, I think, four seasons ago at this point. So, so in other words, bomb. <laughs> it was gone. And, uh, yeah, it was a, a, a nice come-from-behind win. Uh, pitching, uh, Christian Rubeck got the start, but he didn't. He he had a rough game. Uh, he only went three innings, had five strikeouts, three walks, uh, three runs, two earned, and four hits. Sixty-eight pitches. Uh, Tyler Rule came in, had four strikeouts, no walks, two earned on three hits, and one hit by pitch, and threw forty-four pitches in three innings. And then Griffin Hassel pitched another three innings, and had four strikeouts, two walks. Three hits, one run, and 52 pitches. So it was a little shaky from the starting. Uh, but other than that, only uh, one, only uh, two earned runs given up by the relievers, which isn't too bad. So, yep. But it, it, it was definitely shaky when I was there uh, with uh, Rubek. Uh, he was not pitching the best game. I just was really struggling with his command. But when his command was there, it was just phenomenal. I mean, he was just sending them past i mean there was nothing that morehead state batters could do about it but i did have to leave this game early <laughs> as i was i was there and received an anonymous tip we'll call it from we'll call a, it that. Um, i was driving back home yeah you were unavailable i was there with a couple of friends and we uh and i got an anonymous tip about a uh certain private jet coming in from a uh, Waco to Manhattan that was expected to be there at about 3.45-ish. So we left after the top of the 6th, which was when K-State was trailing 5-2. And as I was leaving the parking lot, we hit a home run, and I was like, man. <laughs> man. Yeah, I think it was a Pelletier home run. And the following one was a Nikoloff home run, and then Dylan Phillips uh, with the cherry on top at the end. But yeah, we went out to the airport to stake out the area, and we saw nothing. Yeah, we saw nothing. <laughs> it's almost like athletics has done this before. <laughs> <laughs> and we, I mean, we were just hanging out in the parking lot, like with like a bunch of hooligans. <laughs> but I mean, it was a it was a fun little adventure out to the the airport. I haven't been down the airport much, and uh, unfortunately, didn't see anything. But my hunch was correct in that hey you know half the athletic department goes to waco we might be here might be hiring your own thing also all the national outlets have been talking about it the night before that might have 
Well, actually, no, this was Sunday. It wasn't Monday. So that hadn't started yet. But it was a, a, that was why I missed all of the most exciting parts of the baseball game. (laughs) But you know what? That's okay. Because the real baseball game is the friends that we made along the way. (laughs) That's the name of the episode is the friends we made along the way. (laughs) But the final K-State game was unfortunately the one that snapped the eight-game winning streak, and that was against Air Force as... No, I'm not going to steal your joke. You say the joke. We lost the game. No, I'm not going to I'm not going to say that joke. We had a, we had well, I, the joke was that we lost a game and then we lost a game. It's because we had a game get canceled. You can make fun of me in the comments if you'd like. <laughs> Don't. It's a great joke. But unfortunately, we ended up falling to the Air Force Academy 4 to 3. And the number one thing that I say is that the wind in this game was insane and also assassinated numerous balls that would have been a home runs for being fair for both teams. But there were a couple of balls that were just straight up murdered by the wind. So we just scoring what should have been a lot more. Yeah, yeah this the weather was listed as 40 degrees Fahrenheit at first pitch with 17 miles per hour coming in from left field. So that's just a straight north wind. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for... Toynton, which is normally a very batter-friendly ballpark, that is pretty much, other than like a northeast wind, probably the worst one that you can have. And yeah, because a lot of the home runs in Toynton go over that uh, left field fence out there, left and left center, and which that is not unique to Toynton. But, yeah, but it's a uh, it, it definitely hurt uh, K State down the stretch. It's not to say it didn't get home runs because some of their uh, uh, um, players were able to get it out. Uh, Kalen Culpepper, he uh, went oppo. It's a missile. Yeah, yeah, he went opposite field with his home run because he's a right-handed batter. But he sent it out through right field for a solo shot. So, but unfortunately, Casey couldn't hang on, losing four three three defensive errors. It's really really tough. Yeah, I. <sighs> Yeah, the feeling errors were from Dylan Phillips, Colin Rothermel, and Herman Ferrardo. Ferrardo was especially hurting because that ended up allowing a runner to advance on a throwing error that would have eventually got us out of the inning. That one hurt a lot. Yeah. And one of these was an overthrow to first from a pitcher, oh, as I recall. Herman. Yeah. Um, do you recall the other ones? Uh, Dylan Phillips... I think overran a ball. I don't remember the Dylan Phillips one very well. And Colin Rothermel, I think, just mishandled it. Nah. Which, being fair, none of those were... Well, that's not true. The Herman Ferrardo overthrow was probably the most disgusting error on the day, followed closely by the shortstop of Air Force absolutely booting... Like, almost comically booting a, <laughs> uh, a ground ball directly to him. But, yeah, it it was just not... Not a great day at the ballpark, both in terms yeah. of weather and in terms of scoring. As I say, it's cold and, and the wind yeah, bites you. Yeah, and the cat's lost. So I mean, that makes it a bad day at the ballpark, like without a doubt. Don Johnson had his first uh, rough day in a while. Even then, he still did get on base a couple of times. He was one for four, and uh, also walked once. 
Uh, Brady Day went over, but he did draw a walk. Cole Johnson drew a walk, also went over. And I believe he was the final strikeout at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dylan Phillips, he had a double and scored a run, and that was it. Josh Nikoloff was two for four. Nick Goodwin was two for four with an RBI. Uh, Justin Mitchell, 0 for two. Uh, Dom Hughes, a uh, pinch hit for him at one point because Mitchell did get hit by a pitch. Orlando Salinas, mm-hmm. one for four. Kalen Culpepper, two for four with his RBI on the home run. Mitchell Mitchell was out not because of the hit by pitch, but because he got him and uh, Kalen Culpepper collided on a foul out. Oh, really? And Mitchell was down for a while. Yet he still came back and cap. He still came back and caught, but didn't hit even after he was subbed out. This is something that Brian Smaller was even confused about on the call. He said, like, I'm not sure how they're allowed to have him in defensively, but get pinch hit for, but I guess. All right. So, yeah. Uh, and starting pitcher was uh, Colin Rothermel. He uh, went five innings, uh, six strikeouts, three walks, five hits, uh, one earned run, uh, three total runs given up, 87 uh, pitches. I don't know how you feel about the earned runs to total runs given up there. That makes me sad. Yeah, well, that's all I got. Is that, is that an accurate like depiction? Yeah, would you say? Yeah, that's that's very accurate. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, Herman Fajardo came in and gave two innings uh, with one earned run on two hits, uh, four strikeouts, three walks, and sixty pitches. That's a lot of pitches a for lot two of innings. They'll face 11 batters in that amount of time. Uh, and then Blake Corsentino, uh, with one hit, two strikeouts, uh, faced seven batters in two innings, although he only threw 17 pitches. Yeah. Which is the complete opposite of the type of outing that the hardest. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, you were either getting on base or you were grounding out in one pitch to him. So, yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's a tough way to lose your long win streak especially going in the big 12 play but you know you still win eight games in a row to rebound from what was a really really rough start including a road win over omaha and a sweep of a team that was in the ncaa regionals last year in central connecticut state and then uh beating nebraska in a uh a tight contest, and they they were predicted to win the uh, Big Ten coming into mm-hmm. this year. So some quality wins in there. Yeah, and I I'm looking forward to keeping my eyes on the Backcats because you know some were ready to give up on them after their slow start, but you know now they're they're starting to find their footing. I mean, again, we said it a lot before. This is a team with more newcomers than returning players, so they are reloading this year, and it's just taking them a while to get everything figured out. Yeah, but you know who didn't take long to figure it out. Dom Johnson. Yeah. My goodness gracious. He's batting like 500 right now. And during his hitting streak, he was batting like 600. He was batting some ungodly high batting average. Yeah. And he was just quite the, you know, funny pun, dominate. No. No, you don't understand. You do not understand how ridiculous Dom Johnson has been for this team. And he's... It's not even just that he's that, oh, he's really good offensively. No, he's had some really good defensive moments as well. He's probably the best defender in the outfield. And at least he's the least error prone. But <laughs> he's he's just been great all around. And both of the Johnsons actually have, you know, Cole Johnson's been, you know, obviously not as good, but he's still been solid. But 
Dom Johnson's really become the face of this team, which if you told me that Dom Johnson would have been the face over Dylan Phillips or Nick Goodwin, I probably would have called you crazy, but here we are. Yeah, Dom has been absolutely phenomenal. He's in the middle of a pretty long hitting streak. I believe he still has maintained that because he did get a hit against Air Force. And mm-hmm. I don't remember him ever not getting a hit uh, in the uh, Moorhead State Series. Yeah, no, he, he extended his hitting streak. Yeah, it's something like 13 now. Yeah. It's like it's around there. It's a lot. And yeah. He did unfortunately lose his multi-hit game streak um, with uh, Air Force. He was up to like 7 or 8 with that. But you know what? Uh, let's... Tomato, tomato. He's still got a nice hitting streak going on, and I, I've been loving watching him. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, there was a in the Moorhead State series, he had like eight doubles or something like that. Like, and he uh, got up on the very first pitch of uh, the game that I went to, he doubled, and I, I went up there, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll probably double. And I was joking. Who's <laughs> gonna double in the first pitch of the game? Dom Johnson. Apparently, apparently Dom Johnson. Uh, and he did the exact same thing that he's he did all series, which is just shoot it right down the third baseline and just sprint on to second, stand up, double, easy. He's been excellent. He's had a couple of not great defensive plays, like like uh, I forget against. Against, I, I forget who it was against. It might have been Nebraska, where he had, he had a catch in the outfield and it kind of bounced out of his glove. Granted, he was on the run and he was leaning, and it was a it was definitely rough. That number, Michigan, because I remember he, it, he it, was it, awful it, defensively. Michigan. It was a home game. Okay. And I don't remember that against Nub, but it could have been. It may have been the uh, last Morehead State game. Then it could have been. I don't. I don't know if it even got credit as an error. Is the thing. Statcast didn't count it. Didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, History yeah. will not see it. That. No, yeah. I, I believe you. But you know, yeah, just... he he's still so much of a net positive batting that it's almost not worth bringing it up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just appreciate Dom Johnson. Yeah, he's only a sophomore, I believe, and mm-hmm. he transferred him from Oklahoma State because they wouldn't play him. Morons. Why? Like, why? <laughs> Stupid people. Yeah. Idiots. Morons. Colossal. Colossal moron. morons. But, yeah, I, that pretty much wraps up anything I have to say, Ethan. Yeah. yeah I'm, I have nothing else to add. All right. So thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to reach out to the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggieville A Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we are AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. If you want to support the show in a financial sense, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as Doom Tang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.